more moments, the children can be dismissed to Children's Church. If you'll take your Bibles, turn to the book of Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. That's where we're going to be going. Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. Say congratulations to Tina. Sounds like you're getting a vacuum cleaner from, from what I... <laughs> <laughs> for Christmas. <laughs> I may have read too much into that, but I, I don't know. It sounds like it, a vacuum may be under the Christmas tree for you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Romans chapter 5, and we're going to begin in verse 6 this morning. Reading from the King James this morning. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died, for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet preadventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. I want to preach to you this morning on the meaning of Christmas. Would you join me in prayer today? Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to be here in your house. Thank you, Lord, for the worship, the praise that has gone forth. We just ask for your anointing, God, upon this moment as we enter into this time. Lord, your, uh, your word needs no more anointing. Lord, it will not return void. It will accomplish the work that it's been set forth to do. But, Father, I realize that I am a frail, earthly vessel in desperate need of your anointing. And I ask for that today. Give me the clarity of thought, the clarity of speech that I need. And Father, I pray for every person listening to me, Lord, both here in the building, those listening by podcast, that you'd open their hearts, their minds, and their spirits. Let the Word of God fall on good ground. Lord, do I pray that you just have your way in the remainder of this service. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. You can be seated here this morning. I'm not going to go in depth uh, into the difference between uh, different versions of the Bible and translations, but uh, I do want to read to you. I wanted to read first from the King James, but while you're seated, I want to read to you that text from the Living Bible that gives you even a little more deeper understanding. It says, when we were utterly helpless with no way of escape, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners who had no use for him. Even if we were good, we really wouldn't expect anyone to die for us, though, of course, that might be barely possible. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since by his blood he did all this for us as sinners, how much more will he do for us now that he has declared us not guilty? Now he will save us from all of God's wrath to come. And since when we were his enemies, we were brought back to God by the death of his son, what blessings he must have for us 
now that we are his friends and he is living within us. You know, I could really stop by right there and dismiss you to go eat all the good food that's up in the Family Life Center. I'm not. Don't get your hopes up. But just reading right there what power there is always in the Word of God, but what power we find here in this. We're looking at the meaning of Christmas. You know, Christmas truly is the giving of love. And Christmas means many things to many people. To some, it means gifts and glamour, celebration, meditation, reunion, reminiscence, old friends, old faces, worship, prayer, pageantry, and parties. Christmas is a holiday, a holy day, a friendly greeting, glittering lights, gifts galore, and a Christmas tree. As always, Christmas means carols and carolers singing their serenades on Christmas Eve. To the children throughout the world, Christmas will me always mean toys, a snowman, a special little reindeer, and a fat guy in a red suit. Christmas does mean magic, mystery, mistletoe, holly, cookies, candy, toys, and trees. Yet to all men of goodwill who pray for peace on earth, Christmas, and for everyone, it truly should mean Christ. Christmas without Christ is totally and utterly meaningless. He is the one who makes it significant and gives it purpose. Minus Christ, Christmas degenerates into merely just another day. And if Christ should be subtracted from Christianity, you would have absolutely nothing left. You see, Jesus is the central character of the Bible, the heart and the soul of the church, and the centrality of worship because Christ is the center of life. Now, I think for most of us here today, uh, we don't have problems with all the things that go. We don't have problems with poinsettias. We don't have problems with poinsett with parties. We don't have problems with some of the things that I've mentioned here today. But what we always must know and realize is that Christ is a true meaning. That he's central, just like our faith. You know, we do a lot of different things in the church and in our lives that don't matter. You know, I, I've, as a pastor, I face, and, you know, sometimes I, 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 I kind of let it slip every once in a while, some of the issues that you face as a pastor. And I've, I mentioned to you before, one of the big things that I've, I've dealt with is, you know, sports and how kids can get consumed and suddenly parents take kids out of church because travel teams become more important. And I think if you know me well enough by now to know that I certainly don't believe that sports are wrong, but sports can't be the center of our lives. And just like in that same concept in our lives, Christmas Christ has always got to be the center. If you want to make candy, that's fine. If you want to put up a tree, that's fine. If you want to have parties, that's fine. If you want to sing carols, that's fine. But listen, when it all comes down to it, just like life, Christmas must be about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the center of it all. He is the meaning for it all. He is the reason for it all. And without him, life and Christmas and everything else really can become totally worthless. Why do you think there are so many people out there that are depressed and down? Because, folks, I'm going to tell you, there's folk, there are stars out there, there are celebrities out there that have got piles and piles of money that are more depressed and miserable than the poorest of the poor that have Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, nothing really means 
anything. So in this message, I want to stress the scriptural concepts of four things, and I'm going to let you go because I know we got a lot of good food. Anticipation, alienation, identification, and reconciliation. Well, Christmas means anticipation. Everybody say anticipation. I don't think anybody in this room is too old to forget how it is as a child when you're anticipating Christmas morning. Come on, how many of y'all remember the anticipation of Christmas morning? Now, I know over the years the, the, the gifts have changed and, and, and the price of gifts have, have changed, but I think all of us can remember the anticipation of whatever it was that you got and was special to you of, of getting up and being able to go and open those presents, the anticipation of, of what is going to happen at Christmas. And maybe even now you have an anticipation. Now as a parent, it has shifted from what can I, I'm excited as a child, what can I go and get under the tree and open up to now as a parent to see, do, or do my kids and see the, the, the excitement on their face and the anticipation on their face of what they can get. And I'm looking around and I know that there's some here that you now have anticipation of grandkids and maybe even great grandkids of what they're going to get. And and now, as you get older, it's the anticipation of being able to be together with friends and family, and you're awaiting. Christmas means anticipation, but really it means more than that in anticipation. We look at a prophet named Isaiah. I preached two weeks ago, and I preached from a very familiar passage of Scripture. And we believe that Isaiah had to have had that measure of such anticipation when he said, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shine. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Can you imagine the anticipation that the prophet Isaiah had? I don't know if God showed him a picture, if he spoke it into his mind, into his spirit. I don't know exactly how that worked, but yet God some way, somehow revealed to the prophet Isaiah of what was coming in his son, Jesus Christ. And can you imagine the anticipation of Isaiah waiting? We look at another person who was in, an, in anticipation. Her name was Elizabeth. Elizabeth was the wife of Zacharias, the priest, daughter of the house of Aaron, kinsman of Mary, the mother of Jesus. She poured forth in prophetic utterance when Mary came to her home. And Luke chapter 1 and verse 42 says, and she spake out with a loud voice. I like that. I got to stop right there. Aren't you glad for people that aren't ashamed? I mean, when God really gets to get a hold of us, you know, sometimes we're ashamed of what God's saying to us. Sometimes we're afraid of, of speaking forth the Word of God. Sometimes we're afraid to say what God says. But we find here that Elizabeth, she was not a She spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me. What an anticipation that Elizabeth had when her cousin showed up at her house and she knew beyond the shadow of any doubt that inside the womb of her young cousin Mary was the Savior of all the world. 
It was anticipation to Elizabeth. It was anticipation, of course, to Mary. Mary, who was the mother of Jesus, carrying the Messiah in her womb, responded in Luke chapter 1, verse 46, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. Can you imagine the anticipation? I've been around long enough, and I've seen enough pregnant women And I've seen the anticipation and the excitement of that baby of theirs that was to come forth. Now, any any damper on it is always the delivery part on it. Somebody say amen. I've never delivered a baby. I've been in the room when two have been delivered. And I've got to say, ladies, I'm sorry to you. And as I've heard uh, several people say, uh, you know, thanks a lot, Eve, for what you did. But as I watch normal mothers with normal children and the anticipation of they can't wait to hold that brand new baby, can you imagine what Mary, who knew she had the visit of the angel, she realized what she was carrying in her womb, the significance of it and the anticipation of it. I'm not going to go into too much depth but because I preached last week an entire sermon on him and his counterpart, but Simeon was also there. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit in the temple when the parents brought in the child to Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. Then took he up him in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy words, for my eyes have seen thy salvation. Folks, we see in these characters in the Bible an anticipation, but yet I believe also for us Christmas should mean anticipation. But unfortunately, not only does Christmas mean anticipation, but there's one thing that we also don't want to talk about that it brings out to us, and that is Christmas also means alienation. Everybody say alienation. And the alienation comes out of the nature of man. You see, the meaning of Christmas turns on the nature of man. Man without Christ is lost and estranged from God without his creator. We go back to the beginning. We go back to the Garden of Eden, and we realize how we were banished from the garden. Man was made to fellowship with God. We were made to be in the presence of God. We were made to enjoy him and all of his splendor and all of his glory for all eternity. But yet, it was our own mistake that we become alienated. By transgression we fail. And Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17 says, And the Lord took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat it. For in the day that thou eatest, therefore thou shalt surely die. God told the man the truth. You see, this, then Satan, the devil, comes in and tells man a lie. And what happened? The age-old tale that keeps on going today, men are continuing to believe a lie rather than the truth. 
That's not a new problem. You know, sometimes we get all we get all messed up. We get all worried, and we're like, how can people believe the lies? How can people believe that Jesus is not the Christ? How can people be so led astray? Well, it goes all the way back to the beginning. Go back to the garden. God says, don't eat the tree or you will surely die. And what happened? Satan showed up and he said the exact opposite. He said, you won't surely die. He said, you're not going to die. Don't listen to God. He's just trying to keep you from something good. Oh, I, I mean, I, I don't have time this morning to dig into that, but how many people today are, have been convinced of that lie? Don't listen to your parents. Don't listen to your pastor. Don't listen to the Bible. Oh, that's just all stuff to keep you from having fun and enjoying life and getting what you really want. Don't believe the lies of the devil and ignore the truth of God. But we know because Adam... And then after him, Eve did. On that day, man, by transgression, fell, and it was a great fall. Paul explains it in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death was passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You see, it was the human dilemma on that first Christmas morn, and it was, it's also still man's predicament today that we've been disposed from the paradise of God, and we have not only we've become the enemy of God, but we're becoming an enemy to ourselves, our offspring, our fellow man, and to all of nature and creation. It is our own nature has turned on us, and we're our nature, we, we can sense it because the next step was chaos and oblivion, and what do we sense right now. Look around us, folks. I, we can sense it. It seems like we'll get just a little break, and then it just seems like more chaos and more wars and more fighting and more hatred. It seems like people are just ready to tear one another apart. I don't know about you, but I look around, and God knows, especially on social media, it seems like people are just constantly ready to tear one another apart, to bring one another down, to criticize them about this and criticize them about that and try to tear them down. It is the sin that has entered into the world. It is the alienation that sin brought to mankind from God. And so we ask, where, where do we go from here? Well, thankfully, Christmas also means identification, that God identified with man. And just as God did his best to forewarn man in the beginning, he continued to pursue man, leading him back into right relationship. You know, God put all that effort, gave them everything they wanted, and said, Adam and Eve, you can have everything and anything you want here in this garden except for one thing. Just don't take that one thing and you'll be okay. He forewarned man. He did it. He gave them everything. There was only one thing he couldn't do. But man still couldn't handle it. Now, I don't know about you, but my human part of me would be like, you, you just had one job. You had one job. Don't eat the fruit off of that one tree. That's all. You can do anything you want besides that. And you mess that one thing up. And myself, I'd want to be like, you know what? You messed it up that easily. You're on your own. But aren't you glad that God didn't do that with us? 
Not only did he forewarn us in the beginning, he continued to pursue us, continued to bring us back in the right relationship, and nothing really seemed to work. You know, there was this whole Old Testament, Old Covenant thing. There was the whole concept of the tabernacle. Think of God. Think of God in his glory and his splendor. We read about the tabernacle, and we read about how the glory of God came down on the tent. It was smoke, and it was fire. It was a pillar of cloud by day, fire by night. When the temple is dedicated, that the glory of God comes down. Fire consumes the altar. It's thundering. It's lightning. It's shaking. But it's always kind of God at arm's length, isn't it? The Lord will say, hey, don't come around the base of the mountain. He'd tell Moses, and don't let them get any closer than that or they're going to die. Come on, y'all. Any of y'all read any of the Old Testament? <laughs> and it, it was always that, hey, you know, I'm going to be here with you. I'm going to be around you. And every once in a while, you'd have a Moses, you'd have a David, you'd have a Samuel that seemed to, you know, kind of get in good with God and get close. But for the most part, for everybody else, it was God at an arm's length, wasn't it? It was God, and, and he was there, but you couldn't really get close to him. But Christmas means identification. Everybody say identification. Then as a last and final resort, God sent his son. In Romans 8 and 3, God sending his own son, in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemn sin in the flesh. That's why Christmas means identification. Because God identified with man in a closer and more meaningful way. It went from this whole arm's length, don't even come to the edge of the mountain or you're going to die. Only one guy can come into my presence one time a year on the day of atonement. And it went from that to suddenly, now, God has become flesh. He's a little tiny baby. And he's not even up in a castle or a palace or even the temple, even a synagogue. No, he's a little tiny baby laid in a barn in a feed trough. You see, we were created originally in the likeness of the image of God, according to Genesis 1 and 26, and now God himself chooses to come into our world and our existence in human flesh by an immaculate conception and be born of a virgin as a baby in Bethlehem's manger. Why did he do it? Because we find over and over in the Scripture, because God loves us. He did it out of love. He did it in order to save us. He did it in order to prove that it could be done. And he did it because there was no other way. And again, I, again, I know you get tired of hearing me saying this sometimes, but I'm sorry. i got to say it over and over. There's a whole lot of stuff that really doesn't matter, whether we put poinsettias here or whether we put cactuses here. Whether we stand here with this metal pulpit or a wood pulpit or a cardboard box, whether you sit in pews or you sit in chairs or you sit in bean bags on the floor, that does not really matter. But we come to this place where we know that there are some things that definitely matters, and one of those major things is this, that there is no other way to salvation than through Jesus Christ, and it was absolutely necessary that Jesus Christ be a master 
immaculately conceived and come to this earth for us to die. Amen. Give God praise if you believe it. Clarence Jordan's version of Romans 8 and 3 declared, For when it became clear that legalism was a failure due to its weakness in dealing with humanity, God sent his son in an exact replica of man of sin and for sin and dealt effectively with human sin. This is the meaning of that first advent that God decided to really identify with man. And it happened in a way that had never been done before and will never be done again. Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son, came deliberately into this human story, was born in a wilderness of sin and known as the real world of Adam and Eve. You see, Jesus came down to Man. That's why we talk about, and when Isaiah prophesied and we sing about Emmanuel in Isaiah 7 and 14, that he is going to be Emmanuel, God with us. It takes place in history in Matthew 1 and 23 that he came down. And in Luke chapter 2 and verse 7, as you brought forth their firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. How far did he go? Well, Philippians 2, 6 and 8 says, Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion of man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, yes, even the death of the cross. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 tells us, For he, God, hath made him Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He identified with the sinfulness of man that we might be identified with the goodness of God. He came and identified himself. Listen, folks, we know the next time he comes, he's coming as king. The next time he comes, he's coming on a white horse. He's coming with the armies of heaven. He's coming. All the earth's going to see him. It's, it, there's not going to be a mistake about it. But thank God for our redemption. He had to come the first time, and he had to identify with us as one of us so that the connection could be made, so that we could be identified with Jesus. And finally, Christmas means reconciliation together again. In fact, the word reconciliation is the opposite of the word alienation. We started with alienation, but thank God through the Christmas miracle, we go from alienation to reconciliation. It refers to a change in one's relationship. It means this, to heal the breach, restore harmony and accord. It is the opposite of estrangement. It means to conciliate, to bring together again. The quarrel is over. The break has been mended. The hurt has been healed. The chasm has been spanned. The gap has been bridged. God and man have been brought together again, and Jesus consummated the whole transaction. In fact, Paul says in Romans 5 and 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm thankful that Christmas Though we were alienated, thankfully that we were identified with him. And now the alienation has become reconciliation through Jesus Christ. 
what God had meant for us in the very beginning of humanity, what God had intended to happen in creation. You know what God intended. He intended us, as I started this thing out, for us to be with him in, in, in his presence in the Garden of Eden. Man messed that up. But God, through his son, brings reconciliation, and now we know what? That we are able, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, through this baby Jesus that came and lived and died for us, now we have hope of an eternity with him forever. Stand with me, if you will, please. I want to read just a little bit of this. One more time, because I want you to see it again now that we've gone over these things. Our text, Romans chapter 5. Henry, if you can put that back up there. Verse 8, I'm going to start. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Can I remind us as church people? that Christ came to us before we got everything straightened out. He came to us. He died. While, what does it say? While we were still sinners, he came and he died for us. Well, I'm speaking that because some of y'all need to hear it for your kids and for your grandkids, for your loved ones to know, hey, they, they haven't, you know, not like any of us have it together, but they've not even yet received salvation. But remember, for all of us, that he came while we were sinners and died. Verse 9, much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. Verse 10, I love this verse. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Stop right there. Think about that. While we were the enemies of the cross, the enemies of God because of, because of sin in our life, even for his enemies, we were enemies. He sent his son to die for us anyway. You and me, every human being that's ever walked this planet, we were enemies of God because of sin in our life. But even as enemies, he sent his son. Now look at the second half of that. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So the apostle Paul here is saying, look, God did one of the greatest things that could ever happen to us while we were still his enemy. So now, think about, now that we've been reconciled because of this Christmas gift, because of his shed blood, because of that, now that we've been reconciled, think how much more he's going to do for you and he's going to do for me. Please don't buy into the lie that so many people are talking about, that so many people believe. God, some great big God that is mean and doesn't care about you and is mean and expect no. Now, some Christians may have portrayed him that way. Some churches may have acted that way. But that's not the God that I read about in this book. The God I read about in this book, that while I was his enemy, sent his only son to die for me. The God that I read about in this book, it's one that if he did that while I was still his enemy, 
how much better is he even going to be to me after he has cleansed me and reconciled me and washed me? I don't know. I kind of tend to think about the story of the prodigal. God always loved him. The father always loved him. The father was always waiting on him. Sees him from afar off. Waiting, looking, anticipating him to come home. And then when he comes home, what does he do? Put the robe on him. Put the ring on him. Go feel the fat. I'm not, in, not much into robes and rings, but brothers and sisters, I'm into fatted calves now. He said, go and get it ready. Get the party rather ready. My son that was once lost is now found. That's what Christmas is. That's what this is all about. That's what, that's what all of this that we celebrate and we do all this to do. It's about the reconciliation and the salvation that comes through what Christ did for us. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. I think I would miss it very badly if I didn't take just a moment. Even though I look around this room and I know most people that are here at least have some idea of where you come from. I think I would be very badly off if I didn't take just a moment as I preached about this precious gift of Christmas of reconciliation. If I didn't give somebody that might be away from God a chance to come back to Him. With nobody looking around, if you're here in this house today and you say, Pastor, I'm not right with the Lord right now. Maybe you've never had a relationship with God and you want to start one today. Today is your day because He came for you. While we were the enemies of Him, He came for us. Or maybe you've known Him before and maybe you have fallen away from Him. Maybe you've been like the prodigal and you've kind of gotten away and you say, Pastor, today is the day. I want to get things right. With nobody looking around, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I want to make things right with God today. I want to accept this great gift that came that first Christmas. Would you just slip up your hand right now? Anybody here? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Nobody looking around. Hallelujah. 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 Saints, I need you to be praying right now, would you? Well, can I get the saints to just be praying? I know we got food and I know we got fellowship, but this is the most important thing we can do right here and right now. You know me well enough by now, I'm not going to embarrass anybody. But if you're here today and you raise your hand, I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to ask you to come in just a moment. Father, I pray for every person that lifted their hand under the sound of my voice. I pray, oh Lord, that whether they've never known you or they've strayed away, that today they would come back to you. And Lord, you're waiting there with open arms. You gave this great, while we were enemies, you sent your son for us. Thank you, Lord. I pray, Holy Ghost of God, that you would just deal with every single one. One that lifted their hands, maybe ones that didn't lift their hands but needed to, that you draw them to your repentance. In fact, your word tells me it's your kindness that leads to repentance. Lord, this morning, this altar call is not, you better get right because you're going to go to a devil. So, no, the more this morning, this altar call is, God loves us even when we were away from him. So I pray this morning your kindness would lead us to repentance here today. In Jesus' mighty name. 
with nobody looking around, if you're here and you lifted your hand, I'm not going to embarrass you in any type of way. I promise I'm not going to stick a microphone in your mouth, but I want you to come and I want to pray with you. If you're here and you want to make things right with the Lord this morning, would you come and find a place? Just kneel here at these altars right here and right now. Anybody here that would be that bold as the praise team begins to sing, I'm going to let, wait for a few moments. If you're here and you want to make things right, please come. Come on, saints. I need you to be praying. I need you to pray. This is an important time right here and right now. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, I just pray, O oh Lord, everything would be given back over to you everything would be given to you in jesus mighty mighty name go ahead and sing hallelujah To fulfill the law. 